See, oh, okay. Now we're live. Hey, there we are. Yeah, I don't know what happened. The intro video there got stuck for a second, mm. and um, and it didn't count down correctly. But we're here now. Welcome to the uh, February nineteenth edition of Signals from Mars, brought to you by the Mars Attacks podcast. Uh, joining me once again this week is Mr. Brad Dahl who uh, initially was not going to be part of the show, but surprised us last second by saying, um, put me in, coach. Uh, so uh, <laughs> Brad is back, and uh, we're going to be talking just all types of uh, music-related stuff. Brad is from Yarg Metal. Uh, for those that don't know, uh, currently playing Black Sabbath's Into the Void, so I'm assuming that your brother picked this track. Um, um, actually, uh, I'm pretty sure he introduced it. I didn't hear I didn't hear it. I turned my volume <laughs> down here. But okay. uh, yeah, yeah, but that, yeah, definitely. But Which, by the way, one of my all-time favorite Black Sabbath songs to play with a band is into the void. Oh, dude, that that song is just so heavy. I mean, the bass right. part, of, you know, and then the all the it's so it's an epic song. Love yeah. that song. Absolutely, definitely one of their uh, classics. Also covered by Soundgarden many many years later. Mm-hmm. Uh, they went and kind of revamped the lyrics of the song to uh, kind of go with what was going on in the 90s. So um, looks like we already have Jeremy Weltman uh, joining us um, from the UK. Hey, Jeremy. He's saying, yeah, he's saying uh, that's one of his favorite Black Sabbath. Or, ha, that's one of my BS faves too. He means Black Sabbath, not... That other yeah. BS word. <laughs> <laughs> you know the the other song off that album, um, uh, "Lord of This World," is another one of my favorite ones to play. And uh, the funny thing about that, back in my high school days, when we'd be playing an outdoor party in somebody's backyard, it seemed like we never. It, th- that was always later in the set list because you kind of save mm-hmm. the really cool songs, the really fun to play songs for later. And we never almost got to play the whole song because the police would show up before we finish it. <laughs> Un- it I mean, unbelievable, unbelievable how that happened. And uh, yeah, it, it, <laughs> so there you go, Lord of This World. I, I, I kept hoping he gets the Lord of This World, you know, that part. That's like my favorite part. And it's, oh, God, what a great song. Yeah, that's one of those things, you know, urban legend. I promise we can play Lord of This World. It's just that the cops don't let us get to it. So. <laughs> true. So, so true. <laughs> it's been so, years since uh, I played that stuff. So. Very cool. Um, what was the first Sabbath album you owned? Wow. I, you know, since my, since my brother lived in my house, I didn't really have to own any of them um, because right. he had them all. I think I'm going to go with Technical Ecstasy. I think okay. that's the first one I actually bought because uh, okay. that was, what, 76? I'm going to go 76. That's the first time I saw Sabbath was on that tour. I wasn't quite 16 yet. Um, mm-hmm. My buddy, I, I had a lot of friends who were older than me, which is kind of a good thing when you're young because they can drive and right. stuff. So we got <laughs> tickets. We got tickets to see Black Sabbath at the Long Beach Sports Arena. And I remember right. our tickets were $4.75. 
And we were okay. sitting up in uh, a word that we're probably not supposed to say that starts with an N, heaven, uh, up in the uh, way, way, way up there in that Long Beach Sports Arena. And I know you and Mark talked about the Long Beach Sports Arena not being a big arena. Oh, it's a big arena. Okay. It, Is it? Okay. Yeah it's, yeah, it's legit. But anyway, we're sitting way the hell up there. But I'm thinking, man, you know, guy, we paid less than five bucks to go to this concert. I can't quite remember who opened up. I think it was some kind of weird band like almost country, a Southern rock band called Point Blank, if I'm not mistaken. I don't okay. know if you've ever heard of them, uh, which is not. kind of weird. Yeah, back in the 70s, you get these weird matching of bands. You know, it wasn't like now where it's like, oh, every band has to be in this genre kind of a thing. Um, but yeah, but Sabbath was awesome. I, I remember that night, they were just uh, they were just so good. And uh, one of the highlights was Ozzy doing his impression of Linda Belair from The Exorcist. And uh, he would kind of break that out in between songs. And I remember him mm-hmm. doing that. He had that voice nailed and he would do that. Your mother sex comes in hell or whatever. You know, anyway. Yeah, Ozzy was having a blast. <laughs> Tony was, they, they were having a good time. And uh, yeah, was, <laughs> the, they were yeah, feeling no show. pain. Yeah. 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 They, go ahead. Yeah. Um, actually had. Um, uh, Ozzy actually called in a little earlier. He he wanted to uh, give you a special message. Okay. That's uh, from a bootleg. Um, I believe it's from. I forget if it's it's either from Japan or from uh, Castle Donington from a Monsters of Rock tour. But uh, that's the intro to. Bark at the moon, actually. He does that, and then he says, bark at the moon, and they go on uh, into the track. But that's off of, um, if I'm not mistaken, Jakey Lee's first tour. Well, it may not be the first tour, because the drummer sounds like Tommy Aldridge to me, as opposed to um, Carmine. So at, at least the fills and everything else really sound like um, like Tommy. Tommy's got a, a, a very specific... Um, uh, feel and, and a way that he plays. Um, you know, a lot of times when people say um, best uh, guitarist, best drummer, best bass player, you know, every player has just a different it's kind of in your DNA. You play things kind of differently and even if you want to mimic someone it's never the same. Oh, okay. We will... Uh, Brad will be back. He needs to take a time out currently, but he, he'll be back. He isn't being punished. Um, he's actually jumping in uh, in between calls, but uh, let's see. Um, yeah, so uh, Jose up in Connecticut is saying that he's uh, on YouTube this week. Hello, sir. Um, yeah, I don't know. Everything kind of started off kind of weird uh our countdown didn't work right and um we um uh we we kind of jumped into stuff late so uh but anyway we've got it all going now and um yeah so so yeah so i was kind of talking about how you know you have all these things with uh favorite Favorite drummer would be more apropos as opposed to best. You know, um, about like two years ago, I realized that with music, things are so subjective that to say, you know, best album of this year, eh, it's my favorite album of the year. 
you know, because there's just so much out there and it's all a matter of opinion, you know, let's, let's be honest. So, um, so I, I mean, I don't, I, I don't see the need to say best, but getting back to my point, you know, you, you listen to a lot of that Sabbath stuff early on and they were such a tremendous band. Uh, you know, I, I know that they got slagged a lot by, um, by Led Zeppelin. And uh, there, there was a podcast that was really funny that was called Dead Rock Stars. And it was uh, Mick Wall, who used to be um, on Kerrang! Or used to be, yeah, used to write for Kerrang! and a bunch of other magazines. And he's got another podcast now, which I haven't checked out yet. And the other presenter, Ian, um, Ian something. I was going to say Ian McKay, but that's the guy from Minor Threat. <laughs> but anyway... He was Black Sabbath's PR person um, on the road with them while um, uh, during the Heaven and Hell tour. And he recounts all of these stories about the Led Zeppelin guys coming in um, and visiting the Sabbath guys. And just hearing him imitate Bill Ward is just spectacular you know it's just ridiculous i love bill ward as a drummer especially that stuff that he did back then um just so unique just so many things that he overdubbed and different things that so many other drummers were not doing it's it's interesting just to think about birmingham england how important it is to hard rock and metal um, because you do have Sabbath, you have Judas Priest that's from there as well, and you have Led Zeppelin that's from there. And that's without, you know, discussing all of the other bands that have, you know, been, that, that have come and gone that aren't as big from, from Birmingham. So, um, yeah, so, so it's, it's, it's interesting how all of that, how all, how all of that plays out. Uh, just one city is really kind of the the epicenter to the um, to the entire thing. So um, again, Bill Ward, one of my favorites. Um, you look you look back at Geezer Butler as well as a bass player. Um, you know there was all this stuff that came out recently um, with um, and and I mentioned this during. Um, if you subscribe to Mark Striegel's Patreon, <laughs> um, I do a recap show for him. And there have been a bunch of different Sabbath-related uh, things that I've talked about recently. One of them is the Jeff Nichols uh, estate releasing um, an early form of the song Heaven and Hell with Jeff on bass. And I guess one of the things that um, Geezer Butler said was that he never would have come up with such a simplistic bass part. But sometimes simpler things just work. You know, you think about a song like Paranoid. Paranoid isn't overly, you know, um, it isn't overly technical, but it works. It's three minutes of a musical masterpiece. You, you may be sick of hearing it now, but, you know, it, it doesn't take away from how great that track um, actually is. So, um, yeah, um, let's see. Jose is saying that absolutely uh, similar things happens with sports. Some, some things you can qualify, but others are subjective. Um, 
kind of a similar deal because, you know, you can have a favorite athlete. Um, it, it drives me nuts over here with uh, soccer, football, however you want to call it, that they um, – uh, they, they have people that will still profess that someone is the greatest and that others are not. So um, it's, it's kind of the same deal. So let's see. Brad may be back with us. All right. Right, right on time. Brad is. I, I am back. Here's the, here's the funny thing is that I kept trying to talk to the caller through the mic. Here. <laughs> like, yeah, that ain't, that ain't working too well. Right, guy. This is. I, I'm spinning plates here. Yeah, I need the saber song. <laughs> which, by the way, except used to do in their live concerts, they do the excerpt of that. Which you know, Wolf Hoffman is really big on any kind of classical music type stuff. Right. So. One okay. one of one of my uh, I've been uploading. Um, <laughs> the podcasting nightmares uh to patreon uh, and um uh he's actually one of the worst interviews that i've had <laughs> oh my um there there was a problem with uh but there you go the, the crocus shirt yeah. Um, yeah, the shirt that I won. Guy, holy crap, that's 15 years ago, 2005. Oh, wow, does time fly. Yeah. Jeremy, thankfully, you asked for him to show his shirt and not – well, although – um, I will say that Brad sent a picture of someone posing as Bill Hudson yesterday from a concert, and Brad said that it was him shirtless on stage uh, playing <laughs> guitar. So, um, you know, it's it, – I, I was going to say it's a good thing you asked him to show him the shirt and not take it off. Uh, yeah, nobody, but, nobody wants to see that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wow. We have uh, podcasting royalty. We have Mr. Chris Sinzak uh, joining Very us. Very cool. Uh, Chris from the Despo Geek podcast and the uh, Nashville Rock and Pod Expo. Uh, in the event that um, that, you, that you guys don't know, if it isn't really a secret, but I do the web design for the Rock and Pod Expo. And um, we'll have some additional announcements coming this weekend about some podcasts uh, that will be joining us and other cool news uh, uh, coming up along the way. And um, just to, uh, since since you did join us, Chris, let, let me uh, pimp the site real quick here. Although uh, I, I will say that uh, David Ellison did not like when I used the term pimp. So, <laughs> oh, come uh, on, Dave. Yeah, yeah, I it's said, oh. It's a business term. I said, is there anything else that you want to pimp out? He's like, I don't pimp anything. I'm like, whoa, hey, oh, excuse me. So uh, Rock and Pot Expo happening uh, August 6th through 8th. And with special guests, Billy Sheehan, Don Jameson, Ron Keel, uh, Jason Beeler, Christopher Williams, Tommy Skitch. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Skio. Skio. Okay. Thanks for being on Mark Mark Striegel on that. Okay. (laughs) I've been pronouncing it incorrectly my entire life. Um, His band, his new band, Resistant Bite, will be playing the the pre-show. 
Also, Walter Egan, Sandy Gennaro, Anthony Corder of Tora Tora, and Gary Corbett, who's played with Kiss and the Rella, Cindy Lauper, he co-wrote the song Shebop, if people don't know, uh, amongst other things. And uh, just a lot of cool stuff here. Are some of the uh, podcasts that have been announced so far. I'll list it a little bit down further. Um, here's the, the great venue, the... Um, Holiday Inn is no Hilton. No. Jesus, I'm thinking of I'm thinking of Kiss here. Um, I'm thinking of uh, living in sin at the Holiday Inn. My bad. Uh, this is the um, Nashville uh, Hilton Nashville or Hilton Nashville Airport. My bad. Um, and we ask that you please reserve uh, via that because. Uh, it helps the expo out if, if you go to the Hilton and reserve your stay there. Also, it allows you to, uh, you know, get sloshed and not get into any trouble. So, Great. Hey, uh, Chris, uh, by the way, I'm Brad. Nice to meet you. I'm really considering going to this uh, just because it sounds, number one, because it sounds really cool. Number two, it'd be really cool if Victor could get there, but I know that would be a really difficult for him to do that um but i'm i'm really yeah i'm i'm seriously looking at coming to this thing so and it would be nice to meet you chris cool um i know that mark said that he was going to make the effort um to to go but um We'll see. Um, that, I think that would be awesome. I think it's a great event. I mean, if I could swing it, I would definitely, uh, I would definitely go. Um, what, when you were uh, off offline there for a second, I was talking about how important Birmingham is to um, to hard rock and metal. You know, because we were talking about Sabbath. Um, you know, Sabbath, Priest, and um, Led Zeppelin, all from that area, but all from Birmingham. So, I mean, if you really think of the melting pot, um, <laughs> uh, this is funny. Mr. Sinzak, I, I sent him, I said, if you want to join us, I sent him the link. And he says, he's not decent. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we've got we've got the whole made for TV thing going on here, don't we? Yeah. Well, it's it's no no one is coming a calling. You're giving me like Eddie Trunk like an Eddie Trunk response. I have to wash my hair tonight. I cannot do it. Um, I mean, I just got done working out. I got the '80s hairband thing going here. Um, yeah, but I but the crocus shirt really makes up for everything on my side. Okay, so see, this is the reason why I had asked Jeremy if he wanted to join us today. Um, there are a few other cities that are metal homes in the UK. Now, this is something that I really want to talk to uh, to Jeremy about. I was I was actually trying to also get Richie from Focus on Metal to come on. Richie is. Um, uh, Richie is. Um, from Ireland, uh, Mr. Sinzak, I, I have I have next week's show booked. <laughs> I'm kidding. We'll we'll see. I got Drew Fortier coming on next week, so maybe we could make it a uh, a class reunion. We'll see. They've got um, uh, Dwellers just came out. 
Uh, they're premiering it tonight in Nashville, or not in Nashville, North Carolina, him and David Elfson, and their audio book version of uh, the book that he wrote with David Elfson is just premiered too, so Drew's coming back. Um, I've got Monty Pittman coming um, March 5th, and um, uh, what's the other one? I'm trying to work on... Um, Guillermo from Angela Sepatrida, who um, was close to coming on tonight, but there was a, a few, uh, there, there was a miscommunication. Um, so possibly sometime in March that will happen. So we'll see. Uh, okay. So uh, Chris is saying he will come on and harass Drew next week. There you go. <laughs> but um, uh, Jeremy apparently is not feeling well. He's uh, he pulled something in his neck. I said he's been headbanging too much and um, has, has happened to uh, mess his neck up somehow. So I know I know what that's like. I hope you do get better. Um, Jeremy, as usual, is one of the faithful. Um, I think him and him, him and my cousin Jose have not missed the show yet. So uh, I'm very grateful for them being here as, as well as uh, Mr. Dahl, who's with us once again this week. Um, as far as, you know, with bands in the UK, he's, he's saying that obviously there are other homes for, for UK uh, metal. Obviously you have uh, London is obviously important. I mean, um, as far as I remember, Maiden labels themselves as being from London, but that's kind of like um, uh, um, like ACDC being from Ireland when they're actually from Scotland. You know, it's 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 one of those things. Okay, Sheffield and Newcastle, you're. Uh, you're 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 totally right because Sheffield we have Def Leppard that's from there, big fans of Sheffield Wednesday, and um, Newcastle. Um, give it, give us an example of a band from Newcastle that we would we would all know. Let's isn't see. Um, is, uh, is Newcastle known for more than just their beer and Dennis Bergkamp? Newcastle was neat records. Okay, so that makes sense. Isn't Brian Johnson from Newcastle? Raven. Raven. Okay, um, I think Brian Johnson. It's another one of those things where um, where I I believe he's again listed that he's from from London, but it's one of those things where it's a catch-all, you know. Okay, so Mr. Sinzak is saying the Wild Hearts. Ginger Wildheart and Company. Um, Brian Johnson. Brian Johnson is from Dunstan. Okay, Dunstan, United Kingdom, which is. Yeah, he was the singer in Jordy, Jeremy. Yes. You know, here's here's something I really admire about, or I I like about people in the UK is that where you grew up or where you're from is a big mm -hmm. thing. Now, right. I, I feel like here in the U.S., it's kind of like we're trying to be too homogenized. You know, it's like you can't, ooh, it's it's not politically correct to say one place is better than the other, or it's like, where are you from? Right. You know, you get you get in trouble for asking people that. And uh, 
anyway, uh, I, I really like that in the UK. I, I like yeah. that people have pride for where they grew up. And it turns out that you are correct because Dunstan is right across the river from Newcastle upon Tyne. So he's he's essentially from Newcastle. Tigers of Pang Tang, who have released a bunch of great albums. See, here's that's another band that we were kind of talking about Saxon previously and Crocus and stuff like that. Bands that have been around for a while that have been releasing solid material. Tigers of Pang Tang, I've really paid attention to their last two albums which have been outstanding i mean it's just one of those things where they're um the album that they released i think it was in 2018 um i was like okay i'll begrudgingly listen to this just to you know just to see if there's anything that i kind of like off of it and i started listening to it and i was like oh wow i like that track i like this other track you know and it ended up snowballing into me liking like half of the album and then their next album came out which i think was last year it was kind of a similar deal it was one of those things where ah don't let me down you know i I hope that they can continue the streak and um it was cool they 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 totally did so um tiger's uh, another definite example um I wanted to circle back a little to our initial, um, yeah, metal formed around the the working class areas and cities. Absolutely. I think that's the case for everywhere around the world. Because if you look at it, Scorpions are from Hamburg. That's that's like the industrial north of Germany. That's one of their biggest port cities as well. Um, You look at... um, you know, Australia, Melbourne, if I'm not mistaken, is quote unquote where ACDC and Airborne and, and an accessor from, if I'm not mistaken. Um, again, a huge port city, you know, as much as it's known for its city and its culture, you know, or yeah, um, it's also, you know, got a lot of blue collar, you know, working class atmosphere to it. So, Jeremy, you are completely correct. Um, you are correct, sir. Um, circling back to the Sabbath thing, um, I believe that the first thing that I owned by Sabbath was Sabotage. And it was one of these deals where I think it was, um, it wasn't a two guys, but it was something like a, a James Way or a Bradley's or something like that, which was a chain store. Uh, I don't know if they had that out um, on the West Coast, but they were definitely in the, the New York area. And back then, you know, Sabbath had all these issues with their original manager. So you had stuff like Live at Last and, you know, you had a series of cassette. Well, I got that on cassette. You had a series of albums that were released that were like really cheap versions. Like the inlays really didn't have any information. It was like kind of black. And the cassette that I had was blank. Like it didn't have any, anything printed on the outside. So I remember having to like write like side A and B on it to know what was what more or less. Um, That was the first thing that, that I got from them. And you had mentioned last week about, symptom of the universe needing to have that acoustic intro um a few weeks back i was listening to tracks off of that and just remembering what it was like as a very impressionable um like 17 18 year old 
having that cassette and driving around in a car, listening to that and just remembering the entire flow of that album, you know, from hole in the sky to that acoustic part that went to, you know, symptom of the universe to, to stuff that was really out there, you know, stuff like the writ stuff, like, am I going insane? You know, which are completely different. And it showed, you know, how, um, you didn't need to be a one trick pony, how a lot of bands are today. Um, you know, I think I mentioned this last week, how, you know, I demoed a bunch of songs and how I was told, Oh, you know, they need to sound more alike. Like, huh? I grew up listening to Sabbath and Zeppelin and Kiss and, and even ACDC, no two ACDC songs on a specific album sounded alike. So, um, you know, I, I think all the all the music back then definitely had a lot more variety. So um, let's see. Jeremy is saying that. Let's see. I remember hearing the first Sabbath album. It blew my mind, but I didn't buy it until Heaven and Hell. But I didn't buy one until Heaven and Hell. Um, so I I had sabotage. I got technical ecstasy at a secondhand music store that at the time was like gobbling up all the vinyl from the local radio stations. Um, So my uh, vinyl copy of technical ecstasy has a stamp on it that says um, not for resale uh, um, radio station, whatever copy only or whatever promotional copy only something along those lines. Um, I bought a ton of stuff like that from, from that, from that store. Um, I think I got Thin Lizzy's um, Live and Dangerous from there as well. And a a bunch of other things, but um, the other kind of cool thing, and and maybe I'll make this one of the um, Patreon albums of the week is I have a greatest hits, a Black Sabbath Greatest Hits album called um, called The Blackest of Sabbath. And it has, <clears throat> excuse me, side one. Oh, Brad needs to take another time out there. But um, so the first vinyl is all Aussie material. The second vinyl is Dio stuff with um i believe it's one ian gillen song i believe it's uh digital bitch and then it's a bunch of tony martin stuff from the eternal idol um so that was my introduction to a lot of the tony martin stuff um it was also um my intro to some of the dio stuff because you know, as a kid, I couldn't buy, you know, everything that, that I wanted to. I hadn't picked up, you know, Mob Rules or Heaven and Hell yet um, and, and Dehumanizer, which I absolutely love, was was like a year or two away. So um, it that Greatest Hits was like the my gateway into uh, that stuff. Um Obviously, once I once once I got heaven and hell and mobs mob rules, it was you know me jumping in head first in, into all of that stuff. And you know, it's it's obviously different now. Um, I saw Greg Renoff post like a stack of 
cassettes that were copied from from a friend of his and you know he posted something to the effect of um uh, do you remember a friend that had all of you know their entire collection was copied um i didn't have that i had friends that had a lot of you know stuff that i didn't have so we obviously traded stuff back and forth but when vinyl kind of started going out of circulation i started picking up vinyl left and right um I got heaven and hell on vinyl. I later got mob rules on cassette. Cause when, you know, same thing happened to cassette um, again, it's different today with all the streaming services where you can kind of sample all of this stuff and listen to it now. But, you know, back then, um, you know, having to save up to get an album and making sure that it was worth your while, you know, because you wanted to, you want, you know, you want to make sure that you, it was a good investment and that investment, you want to make sure that like every song was, was really good and not, you know, not every album was great, but, you know, I, I remember picking up a lot of these things and memorizing lyrics right away. And maybe it's just being old <laughs> and not being able to uh, memorize lyrics as, as good as I could in the past. How about that? So, um, yeah, so I, I see that there are a few people that are liking um, this in, in Facebook. And, and I did post there. There is a link there um, on Facebook that you need to click on if you want me to see you or your comments in our chat here. Um, it's just Facebook's uh, <laughs> Fugazi, um um rules that they have where you know for whatever reason they don't like sharing with other things and you have to prove so that um you can use it so let's see jeremy exactly i used to buy singles a lot you really had to be sure before spending your money now see in the uk <coughs> the singles were always there in the in the states we didn't have that as much you know they tried to do that in the 90s with the cassette single for example and then the cd single kind of but i remember always coming overseas and seeing all of these great singles like maiden singles and singles from from all types of british bands that never made it stateside because the you know, being on the charts was was such a big deal. I think for metal or hard rock bands in the states, not only did labels not do it, but I don't think it was it was a priority. Now, obviously, things have changed over the years, and now you have, you know, with streaming, you have bands um, releasing singles and different things before a a full album comes out. And that's that's kind of the norm now. Um, I responded to Jamie Josta yesterday on Twitter because he was giving props to Gojira releasing their new single. Um, when was that? On Wednesday, I believe. And he said something like, oh, the, the, the suits messed it up by changing release date to Friday. Um, release day used to be Friday in the States until some point in the eighties where, you know, someone got in their mind, well, we, we, we want to be different from everyone else. So instead of 
having release day on Fridays, they switch it to Tuesdays. But then what would end up happening is an album would come out on Friday in the UK. And with the advent of, of Napster and torrent sites, people started downloading these albums because they wouldn't wait for the US release uh, and vice versa. An album would be released in the States on Tuesday, wouldn't come out in the UK until Friday. So they, it would it would lend itself to people downloading the stuff. And that's not even getting into, you know, Roadrunner Nuclear Blast releasing albums six months apart on, in different continents. You know, so the whole... The whole Tuesday Friday thing um, was something that was just happening in the states for okay, sure, for, for like um, since since the late eighties, let's say. So it's a few decades, but it makes sense from a promotional standpoint. And also, you have to figure most people, especially in the states, get paid on a Thursday or a Friday. What that means is that they have more disposable income on that Friday to pick up an album if they want to. Um, you know, the whole pre-order thing, it's it's existed for some time. But guys, how, how many how many people rushed out to Best Buy, you know, on the day that something was released or to Walmart or to Target, you know, because they were factored in over the years to get some type of exclusive, maybe an exclusive shirt or an exclusive you know, CD, which had additional content. Maybe it had an unreleased track. Maybe it had um, some live material that wasn't there, you know, on, on the standard edition. So there's, there's, it, it's changed over the years. And, you know, I'm, I'm talking about what it was like for me as a kid and, and as a, you know, young adult growing up and and what we would do to listen to things. But man, I'm cognizant of what's going on now. I mean, as much as I love vinyl, I don't buy absolutely everything on vinyl. And, you know, I try to pick up as much as I can on a digital um, format just because it's easier to, uh, to get around and navigate and listen to the stuff. So, and Mr. Dahl is back. So, um, so I was, I was just discussing, um, how I, I responded to a tweet by Jamie Jost of Hatebreed who would, who's complaining that the, um, the release dates in the States have changed from Tuesdays to Fridays when back in the eighties, up until the eighties, it was Fridays in the States and they decided, you know, just to be different that they would shift it to Tuesdays. It took them two decades to realize that by having release dates on two different days in, you know, in, well, the rest of the world was Friday. The U S was Tuesday. It meant that more people were downloading stuff off of the internet instead of going out and picking stuff up. So, I mean, it, it, his argument even kind of works against what he's trying to do in, you know, his band business. So, I mean, I, I don't know, just didn't seem like a, um, like a smart comment to me. <laughs> yeah, I'd agree with you. And I, I heard you talking about how, you know, when we were young and you'd run out to, you know, you'd get your money on Friday and you'd run to the record store and, and buy stuff. And then, of course, you'd have all weekend to uh, listen to it. Yeah, and yeah, it was it was a big event back then. Now, I mean, when something comes out, 
yeah, you know, I'll wait a couple of days. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of getting to the point where I'm going to, I'm not even sure I want to keep buying CDs because I really, very few places I can listen to them. My car does not have a CD player. That's how forward thinking Volvo is. It's like, well, we don't need <laughs> CD players in these cars anymore. Right. Um, so, yeah, so I don't know. I'm, I'm still buying CDs I, just to have them stack up somewhere. Uh, it'll be a nice gift for somebody when I die. Uh, maybe I'll wheel them to you, Victor. There's some really cool stuff in there. Uh, but, <laughs> but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I do like looking at the liner notes and all that kind of stuff. I still like reading right. all, all of those things. Uh, but as far as when stuff comes out, I don't know that it really matters anymore. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think with the advent of, you know, being able to pre-order and have stuff shipped to your house the day it comes out or even release it or even receive it before it comes out. I think it's taken, it's really taken that entire factor out of it. Um, but I, I mean, at the end of the day, that's, um, that's just the way that the market has evolved. And, you know, let's, let's be honest. Um, I, I watched that tower records documentary and this may be an unpopular opinion, but I remember tower records being very expensive and I, I bought very few things there unless it was like a, a cutout see cut out bin CD or if it was, you know, something that was on sale because, you know, n- new CD on sale for 1899. It's like, why am I going to pay 1899 when I can go to Best Buy and buy it for 999? Well, the whole experience of coming into a tower records seriously so instead of being able to pick up three cds the experience is going to equal me just buying one cd i mean that just doesn't doesn't translate well to me (laughs) you know so um and it and it wasn't um it, it okay so let's see we got jose saying that Tower Records was mad expensive. Exactly. Chris uh, yeah. Sinzak is saying Tower was only good for their listening station. Uh, I'd go to different stores to purchase what I liked. Yeah, totally. You know, that's kind of, you know, if, if, you, if you really think about it, that's kind of what has ended up happening with Amazon. If you, if you really analyze things, uh, let's see, Jeremy says... Same here. I'd like CDs because I like the physical product. Uh, it's still great getting a new CD in in the post. Tower and HMV were expensive here. I used a local independent. See, HMV, I'd only been to HMV twice in New York. Um, the reason that I ever bought anything there is because they would have an import section that would have things that were, you know, out of the norm. Like I picked up, um, I'm a big fan of the um, band Bad Religion. They had a a live album that was, um, that was only released in Europe. It wasn't released in the States. So I remember picking that up there. I also remember picking up um, a few other CDs that were European imports because they had a, an additional live CD in them that, wasn't available in the States. I think I picked up the, um, uh, the cult self-titled CD from there and body count second album for, for that reason. So if you're giving me something like that, 
okay, I'll, I'll splurge the extra money. But again, if it's eighteen ninety nine for something I can pick up somewhere else, you know, um, the experience doesn't mean jack to me, you know. Um, Amazon for me has been a lifesaver because uh, on, on many fronts here, just having to deal with curmudgeon salespeople, um, you know, cutting that out or, you know, going to a, a, a local to a local store and getting fleeced um, when, you know, say what you want about what Amazon has to offer, what they do or, or whatnot. You know, I know people, a lot of people are against them nowadays, but again, if I'm purchasing something for 10 bucks and the next closest shop is selling it for 30, you know, I'm going to look after my wallet first. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, back in the day, it was an event going to the record store because I mean, there was, I mean, there's no Internet. Uh, you found out about stuff in rock magazines months after it happened. Uh, you were you, that's where you found about new releases, because where else are you going to hear it? Maybe some right. radio stations would be hip enough to tell you, like, hey, there's a new album out and they would play something off it. Uh, so I would regularly go to a local record store just to kind of thumb through and see what they've got there. And the other cool, the one I'd like to go to is a chain in the Los Angeles area called Licorice Pizza, which is kind of a nice play on what an album looked like. Uh, but right. the other cool thing was they had baskets of fresh black licorice all over the store. So you could oh, just wow. be, you could be eating licorice while you're like thumbing through stuff. And the people that worked there were generally pretty cool and knowledgeable and they would place, you know, they're always playing music. And so you come in and you could talk to them about things. They go, well, here, let me put this on. If you, that's the kind of music you like, maybe you haven't heard this and they would mm -hmm. play you an album. And uh, also, if you bought an album and you got it home and you didn't like it, they would take it back, which oh, wow. was pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, one band I was in in the 70s, they'd want to play a song by a band I didn't really care for. So I'd go out and buy the album to, just to learn the one song and then I'd bring it back <laughs> and get my money back. <laughs> Probably not real ethical, but uh, oh, well, you know, but but yeah, going to the record store and I... I I, that's where I learned about a lot of new music and saw a lot of bands. I mean, I think Iron Maiden, uh, that the Killers album, because I'd never heard anything about these guys. I was mm -hmm. in the record store and I saw this and I'm like, what the hell is that? And of course, the cover back then, it was kind of like, I don't know, man, this this looks kind of goofy. You know, it's all cartoonish. <laughs> I, I'm not really sure. But yet, I've got it. It's supposed to be metal. So I'm going to get it. And, you know, the rest is history. So, Yeah. <laughs> Oh, did Amoeba exist when you were uh, living out there? No, no, no Amoeba. Um, Tower Records was kind of a latecomer that, that came uh, probably real late 70s, maybe early 80s. Uh, right. I, I, I only remember really going to Tower when I would come back to L.A. after moving here and then was looking for buying product because they were the biggest store. They had the most stuff. Right. And you're right. You're right. Their prices weren't that great, but you would be able to find things there. I mean, and how about that? You know, back in the day when you couldn't just order something up on the Internet, it's like, well, I know this band like Riot. OK, Riot's got an album out. 
and I'm really, I really want to hear this thing. No, hardly anybody's carrying it. So you would have to go from record store to record store to record store right. to try to find it. And that, that in itself was an event. It was cool, especially if you like had a buddy or something. It's like, hey, let's go track this thing down and then let's take it home and listen to it. And you put it on, you listen to the whole thing. And now it's kind of like, yeah, you, you download something. And it's like, oh, I'll listen to it when I get time. And oh, I don't know, maybe that's just me. <laughs> Let's see. Jeremy says, we had Penny Lane Records, a real rock specialist. I walked in once and Attack of the Mad Axe Man was on. I just said to the store guy straight away, I'll have that single and walk straight out with it. <laughs> That's so cool. I love Jeremy, man. He's, he, he is a true rock fan. I, yeah. I want to, Jeremy, I want to hang out with you, man. We got to make this happen. <laughs> Yeah, we had, um, um, I mean, where I grew up in New Jersey, we had some small stores. Um, it kind of, you know, with the advent of CD, there were more things that's, that sprung up. I know Steve Hoker, who's on Patreon, um, he often talks about there's a, a store up by him where he lived called Alwick. Um, they had a lot of like weird stuff that you couldn't find anywhere else. Like a lot of like um, they actually had like CD singles when they first came out. So, I mean, there were maybe four locations that were within an hour and change for me. So, you know, uh, as a uh, late teen, hey, let's drive up to all the Alwicks and see what, you know, see what we can find. Um, but outside of that, I mean, we, we basically had the, you know, the equivalent. We didn't have a tower that was close, but we had like um, uh, the wall, which was like a, a precursor to what FYE is now. The, the FYE bought them out. And, you know, we had a series of stores like that. Way back when I was really small, we did have a bunch of different, like, record stores in the local mall. But, you know, as as the mall started to become corporate, those stores started, started to fade away. But, um, yeah, you know, your typical Sam Goodies and, and, and things like that. So we didn't really have, like you know, places where you could go in and, you know, as Jeremy's saying, you, you, you weren't finding Michael Shanker <laughs> anywhere, uh, anywhere there. So nonetheless, they weren't playing uh, attack of the Mad Axe, man. Um, the closest thing to something being like odd, like hard rock related would be um, like the, um, uh, there was a picture disc for, um, I think, the single for Lick It Up or All Hell's Breaking Loose, where the one side was the Kiss Tank and the other side was the, I think it was the Kiss Army logo. And then there was a, um, I think it was a single for I Love It Loud, where one side was the song and the other side was, it was the first time I'd ever seen it. Like, it was completely, like, etched. The, the other side had like the kiss logo and like it had the four band members had signed the other side. Uh, it was like their signatures were etched into the vinyl. So um, let's see. Mr. Uh, Sinzak here saying my main spots were great escape Nashville, Sam Goody and CD warehouse. 
Um, and let's see. Jose is saying, I got my Def Leppard pin at the mall record store. It also, it is also where you could buy tickets for concerts. Yeah, that was, um, that was like one of the only independent stores that we had. That was up in the Ledgewood mall there. Um, and I don't remember the name. Steve Hoker may remember it. Um, yeah, that that was the the days of having to stand in line for the bracelets and and the concert tickets and and all that great stuff. Um, but yeah, that that store I got a bunch of Iron Maiden cassette singles on import. Oh, Rockaway. Okay. What um, what store in Rockaway? Bottom floor. Um, because the only one, well, I mean, there, there used to be years and years ago, there was something called a harmony hut, which was records and musical instruments. And that was like late seventies, early eighties. And I, I bought, um, uh, the Gene Simmons solo album there for like three ninety nine as a kid. Um, Okay, downstairs near J.C. Penney's. That was the wall, um, if I'm not mistaken. And it may have had another name before that because it went through a bunch of different names before it was moved upstairs to, to become FYE. Um, let's see. Jeremy, we had Virgin Megastore as well, of course, and a few smaller shops. W.H. Uh, Smith and Woolworth sold a lot of records. Uh, that's right. Tickets at record stores. I'd forgotten about that. Um, yeah, uh, there was a Virgin Megastore in Times Square, New York, that I loved going to because it was so massive and it always had c CDs on sale. And it always had, uh, like, for example, I bought the second Degeneration album, the one that Rick Ocasek from the Cars produced. And I got like a free T-shirt that had like the Degeneration logo and like a, a woman behind it. And it was like her face. And like, um, it's kind of like the, uh, you know, the black rectangle to make someone anonymous. It was the Degeneration logo going across her eyes. Um, I love going to that Virgin Megastore. I, I remember they closed that when I moved overseas here to Spain and I went back and I really wanted to go there and I was like heartbroken that it was closed. We actually had one here. There were actually a bunch of them in Spain. They were even in the airport in Madrid and, um, and one by one, they started, they just started all shutting down. I, I remember I spent so much money uh, one winter that I came over here on vacation that the store just started you know, they just started giving me stuff every time that they that they saw me walk through the door. So it was uh, was kind of cool. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's it it has been kind of neat, kind of rebuilding my um, my playlist and stuff through Apple Music these last few weeks uh, because I am finding that a lot of the hard to find stuff that maybe I didn't track down as a kid or even stuff that I had, I'm seeing that a lot of it is, is now available. Um, so I haven't had to, uh, you know, include a lot of my own stuff to, to kind of build up my collection and, and have it take up like a lot of space. So, um, 
Um, for me, though, I, I mean, I'd always search out whenever Iron Maiden would come out with something. Um, I'd, I'd always um, pick up. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd always pick up, you know, um, a vinyl or, or a cassette single because they were never available. Whenever they released an album, I was always on the lookout for that stuff. And I know that people aren't, you know, sometimes people complain about picture discs or, you know, the, um, um, the, the singles that aren't actually round, you know, I have a few of them where they're cut, they're cut out into special shapes. Um, as a collector standpoint, I always thought that those were, that those were cool. Um, you know, does it sound as good as the actual album? Probably not. Uh, but it, just the coolness factor of having that and being able to show it off, you know, I, I always thought it was neat. So uh, maybe, maybe it's just me. And, um, coming over to Europe, you know, when I'd come over on vacation, I'd always try to stock up on stuff that, that wasn't available, um, in the States. Uh, for example, today, one of the, um, one of the albums that was released today was, uh, Ricky Warwick's new, uh, new album. Just to give a gander at the uh, new releases here. But, um, yeah, which, by the way, that's one of the things, one of the many things that you do that I love, Victor, is I love the yeah, the new releases. And, and uh, again, all those videos you put out, there's so much music you've turned me on to. So thank you for doing all that. Yeah, that's awesome. Awesome to hear. Um, because, I, you know, I love turning people on to um, onto different bands, you know, or, you know, remind people that a band that maybe they love has uh, has just released something maybe people weren't aware of that because one thing that just drives me nuts you, you know you'll have um i don't know judas priest put something out yeah man i have their last album painkiller i loved it so much it's like they've released like six albums since then you know it just happens you know not everyone is jakey lee and vinnie vincent <laughs> you know um yeah not, not everyone just disappears for decades, but, um, so Ricky Warwick released a new solo album today. And, um, I first got to know Ricky from the almighty. Um, I love the almighty so much that when, when I came over to Spain on vacation in 96, one of the first things that I searched out was an album by the almighty called um, uh, Crank is the name of the album. Uh, Crank is one of my all-time favorite albums to have come out in the 90s as a result. I found it on cassette. I couldn't find it on CD at that time for the life of me. I ended up getting it on Japanese import like years later, but Man, this this album was so good, and it wasn't released in the states. So there was that. There was I remember. Um, there's a British band called uh, Skunk and Nancy that uh, their second album, Stoosh, which to me is my favorite album of theirs as well. That I was able to pick up. There were a bunch of different things that you know while I was here, I'm like, okay, well, 
this isn't out there. I might as well pick it up. I might as well, you know, check it out and take it back home. And as uh, Chris Sinzak pointed out, you know, having anything at a at a listening station to be able to check it out first was was a bonus, you know, because if you were on the fence about something, you were able to hear it. Then, you know, you would know if it would make sense to uh, pick it up. But uh, anyway, the Ricky Warwick here. Um, I did something new here, which I took some of the feedback that the patrons have been leaving on Patreon. So as um, Brad has mentioned on Patreon, uh, I am posting, you know, it's usually at least two videos a day. It can be two, it could be three. And if there's like a bunch of things that come out that I think that people will like, so I'll, I'll just start posting the stuff and just see uh, people's reactions as well as, you know, um, uh, exclusive content that you can't find anywhere else. Uh, there's, uh, you know, a few different podcasts. There are episodes of classic podcast episodes that aren't available anywhere else that I'm uploading and so on and so forth. So um, a band coronary out of Finland released an album and I purposely posted a video of theirs earlier this week to get people's comments. And um, so I have comments from some of the uh, diehards. I have from uh, a patron that goes by the initials of BD. Um, uh, not sure if any, anyone knows who that might be. Um, I have a JW listed in here as well and an MJ. So um, they're part of the diehard faithful here. They are um, submitting comments all the time about all these great songs. Uh, if you want to do so, uh, two bucks a month gets you into the club per se. And um, plenty of cool content if you're looking to check out new new music and just great it's a great community and a great way to talk and, and chat about music no trolls or anything um there's i don't know i i really i really enjoy going back and forth with everybody and just adding different things um you know we do our weekly what are you listening to this week uh, section where we check in and see what people are you know, listening to or watching on TV and, you know, just helping spread the, um, spread the love of just the different things that, um, that we have going on. So, um, it's funny, there were supposed to be 200 something new releases in the first part of the year and things are just still trickling out. You know, there wasn't a whole heck of a lot of new things to come out today. There were a few reissues, um, few vinyl reissues and crocus actually released a live album today what so they yes they released adios amigos live at vakin cool so. i'm gonna get that yeah. hey victor yes um since i since i'm not on a call can i take a moment and pimp something Absolutely. I'm going to punch out so I don't get a call here. Sorry, coworkers. Um, they'll just have to man up. Uh, that's probably not PC either to say that. Uh, so, yeah, so I did an interview this week with this kid. Uh, didn't know he was a kid who uh, has a, a new album out called Trojan Warfare. That's the name of the band. Uh, okay. You can find the interview on uh, Yard Metal YouTube channel. It's just the audio, but I do throw some pictures up there to make it a little interesting. 
but anyway, this kid, uh, he, he contacted us. I still don't know exactly how I found this and was like, hey, you know, I got an album coming out and, you know, maybe you guys uh, would be interested in it. And I got to say, it's only seven songs, but I like it a lot. It's very kind of unique uh, rock stuff and, and ranging. He uh, actually has Ross the Boss playing lead on one of the songs, which is way cool. Right. So if you guys had checked that out, let me know what you think. I think that'd be cool. I, I, I mean, we talk about, well, you know, we keep hearing from Mark that rock really is dead and it's just all us old white guys. And you know what? I, this, is a seven, this is a 17-year-old kid who plays guitar. He wrote all the songs. His 13-year-old brother plays drums on this stuff. And it's actually good. Yeah, there he is there. A nice kid. Super nice kid. And he's in New Jersey. He's actually, uh, well, what, um, Montclair area? Okay. You know where that is? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 So so I, I really think that uh, it's our duty as rock fans to support kids that are trying to make rock music. So mm-hmm. I, I, I think it'd be great if you guys checked it out. If you want to download his album, it's only five bucks from uh, Bandcamp. You can just download it. There's no physical copy of this. Uh, okay. And, and I, I, I'm giving it like a... 100% satisfaction guarantee. We're playing songs off it on a regular basis right now on uh, Yard Metal. So check it out. And uh, let, like I said, let, let me know what you think and let's support kids who want to play guitar and want to rock because otherwise it's just going to be all those old dudes talking about the old days and yeah. watching people in the bands we like die. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, there, he, actually reached, he actually reached out to me earlier this week, so I got to follow up with him that you know yeah, knowing, knowing that a, you a, spoke to him that's that's a plus <laughs> that's a in the, in the interview itself the sound quality was not great I, you know i started channeling mark there you know it's like i'm not doing any more you know phoners <laughs> and uh you know because of the sound quality and the poor kid he's just like well he says my room is like the furthest from the wi-fi and this is as good as it's going to get. And I think it's still listenable, but it's not what right. I would like to hear. So, uh, and and this kid's working his ass off to promote this stuff too. I and I really, I really admire that. And I really admire his parents for supporting this because I mean, holy crap, that's that's brilliant. I want to meet those people. So, uh, yeah. So check it out. And yeah, Victor, if you get a chance, man, hit him up. He'll hit you right yeah. back. He's working cool. this twenty four seven. I mean, he's only seventy. He's a junior in high school, man. Wow. He's putting out albums. That's it's, awesome. It, yeah, yeah, it's it's very very cool. All right, so that's my that that's my. I'm going to punch back in over here. If I get a call, I get a call. But <laughs> all right, back, back to back to what you were talking about. Yeah, well, we're going to be wrapping up in a few minutes anyway. I just wanted to uh, mention that I did post episode 200 of Mars Attacks today, which does feature Mr. Brad Dahl, and um, it also features Mark Striegel. It's last week's uh, live stream. What I've been doing is uh, uploading the, the live stream to YouTube and the audio on the days of the the live stream, so kind of a reminder to people that we are doing the live shows that night. Um, if other interviews come up, well, I'll post those throughout the week as well. Uh, Want to remind you guys once again about Yorg Metal, uh, currently uh, in the name of Tragedy by Motorhead. Such a cool song <laughs> that yeah. I remember. I remember hearing that, and my wife bought me a live DVD for Christmas one year where they play the song live, and it's really cool to uh, to hear them play it live as well. 
It's not, it's not your typical thing. It's funny where people will say, Oh, you know, motorhead just sounded exactly the same throughout their career. Yeah. You weren't really paying attention then because there's a lot of, there are different eras of the band where they sound slightly differently. And with Mickey D joining the band, you, you have songs like in the name of tragedy or sacrifice or stuff like that, which have monster drum tracks to them. So yeah, and, I, and full disclosure, I'm not a, a motorhead aficionado. I've seen him a couple of times. Uh, so, yeah, if anybody out there has, like, favorite motorhead tracks that are not the, the nor, you know, Ace of Spades, right. <laughs> send, send, me, send me those songs and I'll, I'll play them because I, I, I also want to learn more about them. And uh, I've got such cool. a backlog of music. But, uh, yeah, in fact, anything, anything cool that anybody's listening to, if you want to hit me to it, I will share it with the world. Cool. I, I'm, I may take you up on that offer. Um, the the other thing that I wanted to mention real quick that I got an email for this today. And I kind of couldn't believe it when I kind of fleshed out what was going on here. Let's see if I can get the full screen. Um, it kind of looks as if Dave Mustaine is going to Gibson Guitars. Hmm which is kind of a huge get for them. You know, they, we talked about them getting uh, Gene Simmons a few weeks ago and, and now having Mustaine, you know, and uh, I've seen a leaked like um, video where someone may have spotted the prototype and it's kind of cool to see a flying V with like sharp, V edges um, and the headstock is, you know, the, the hockey stick more, more explorer type. So uh, sure. They've done this like on Epiphones and Kramers in the past, but not an official Gibson. So it'll be, it, it'll be really cool to see. Yeah. They have new management there and yeah. uh, they're young, they're younger dudes and maybe there's some ladies in there too, but uh, they're, I think they're going to be coming on strong here in the future. Uh, they're they're doing a lot of stuff to promote that. And yeah. being a longtime Gibson fan, and it's funny I don't actually own one. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm really I'm really excited. I probably said this last time that about the Gene Simmons bases, and right. uh, they said they've got a V base coming out, a Gene Simmons yes. uh, V. And so I'm I've always wanted a Gibson V base, and so I'm probably gonna probably gonna jump on that if it looks as cool as the. Um, the one that, that they've already promoted, the one that he actually had in Dubai. The, uh, right, the Firebird? Yeah, thank you, Thunderbird. Yeah, Thunderbird, yeah. Yeah, yeah red and black. Yeah, it came in red and black and red and, uh, black and silver. I, I of yeah. course, would go for red and black. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know why they haven't done more with releasing um, their classic shapes for bases, you know, the classic... Uh, Guitar bodies, because I remember in the 90s, at one point, you had Tom Hamilton playing uh, a Les Paul bass, and that kind Mm -hmm. of came and went. Um, You really, you know, the the Explorer, there were were more Hamer Explorer basses than there were Gibson Explorer basses. And sure, there are some Vs over the years, but few and far between, you know, it just seems like they totally missed out on that market, you know, where they could have really made a greater impact yeah 
Yeah, I was in Memphis in 1983, I think, and at a music store, and they had a Gibson Flying V bass, and I played it, and it was like fantastic. But I had no money, and I think the new <laughs> price on it back then was 400 something bucks. Right, and that thing would probably be worth thousands now. Yeah, and so anyway, I yeah, I'm all about the Flying V. Uh, probably because of Michael Shanker and some of the other great V players out there. Right. Uh, but but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. But I think in the bass world, most bassists, you know, it's like Fender and uh, it's all about Fender and it's all right. about guys trying to remake the Fender bass and mm-hmm. me, not so much. I think the only thing I own that's close to a Fender is that, that new uh, Frank Bellow bass. Cause that's very right. Fenderish. Yeah. Yeah. It so. really looks like, it's like a P bass, isn't it? Yeah, it's very yeah, very close to a P bass. Um, certainly, the neck is a lot thinner and uh, mm-hmm. easier to play. The old P basses, oh, I hated those when I was a kid. I was like, <laughs> why does he, why does anybody want to play these? And plus, when I when I was a kid, play when I first started, Fender had a commercial that came out that said four out of five bass players or nine out of ten bass players play Fender. And I was like, well, I don't want to be like everybody else, man. So yeah. I'm like, I'm never, I'm never buying a Fender. <laughs> Right. I'm kind of weird that way. Yeah, I got to be different. So I don't have any fenders. No, I'm 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 with you. And I'm not. It's nothing against the product. I mean, it's a great product, but it's like that right. got it. You know, I I want to support the other people. So so there yeah. you go. Awesome. Well, we're gonna wrap things up here for this week. Yep. Good timing. Goodbye, everybody. I'm gonna go save a life. So you guys are awesome. Keep rocking. All right. As uh, Brad uh, logs off there to to go help save someone's life. Um, I just want to thank you guys for joining us this week, whether you're watching this live, whether you're watching a replay, whether you're listening to the audio version of this. Thank you. I appreciate your support uh, over all of these years. And um, this will end up being episode 201. Um, It amazes me uh, that I've gotten this far kind of also sucks that I haven't done more. I look at Decibel Geek who started a year after me and they've got 500 something episodes, but it is what it is. Life has gotten in the way. (laughs) Two small kids, illnesses and a bunch of different other things. And I do what I can. Um, I, I appreciate, I appreciate again, you guys checking in, you guys coming back week after week, Jeremy, Jose, uh, Chris Sinzak, who, who jumped in today and uh like i said next week we're supposed to have drew fortier and i guess chris sinzak said that he will be hopping on as well so uh yeah so cool so thanks guys thanks for checking the show out and um we'll see you next time right here on these signals from ours live stream presented by the mars attacks podcast see you guys